Gentlemen, please welcome the founder and host of BuddyCast, Nick Sorensen. Happy Nick Eve, buddies. It's another episode of BuddyCast. I'm your host, Nick Sorensen, and joining me today is a very special guest, a very special buddy, as we call them here, my buddy, Lou Baxter from Jet24 Action News. How you doing today, Mr. Baxter? I am great, Nick. Great to be with you here today on BuddyCast. Thank you for joining us. I'm glad we finally got you on. I'm glad our schedules finally matched. Yeah, we, uh, we've we been talking about it for a while, and uh, it's good to be here, finally. Yes, yes. But first, I got to ask, how's retirement treating you? Oh, retirement's good. What's not uh, good about retirement? Uh, <laughs> I uh, am uh, enjoying uh, about... Uh, five uh, Saturdays and a Sunday every day. I'm still working a day or two a week, and uh, and that's a good thing, but uh, it's nice to have the free time, especially uh, as we head into the holidays. So uh, it's all good. Mm-hmm. And that's what I admire about you. You're not just someone who just says, I'm retiring. I'm getting the you-know-what out of here. See you later. You guys are on your own. Like You're someone who says, hey, I'm waiting until, you know, you waited until we found our new news director, Sean Lafferty, who was on this show. You wait, you know, you still have your foot in the door still with uh, you still help out with some community projects and uh, you still have a passion for what you do. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I've invested my whole professional career uh, in this industry and more than 40 years of it at uh, Jet TV. And, uh, you know, it's always hard to say goodbye. And if you don't have to completely, uh, that's a good thing. And mm-hmm. uh, when people ask me about my retirement, I, I tell them it's like pulling the Band-Aid off slowly. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I've, I've got this uh, day or two a week that, again, I'm working on some uh, franchise segments uh, that are uh, well known on Jet, uh, the Golden Apple program and the Loving Giving Local and some other things behind the scenes that we're uh, working with. Uh, and on. So uh, it's it's good that I, I get to use the, you know, expertise and experience that I've I've developed uh, over my uh, uh, years in the business to uh, continue to help out the team. Mm-hmm. Now, let's backtrack here a little bit. Let's go back from the beginning. What sparked your interest in this career? What sparked your interest in going into television, journalism, to broadcasting? Well, uh, I grew up uh, in the 60s, uh, and in the 60s, uh, everybody listened to their transistor radios. Uh, I I watched Jet TV go on the air in 1966 from my living room on the the city's east side where where I grew up, and, uh, but I used to listen to Jet Radio, and uh, at the, uh, at each day when they did a weather uh, forecast, they used to end the weather forecast by saying, right now, outside the jet picture window, it's 72 degrees or whatever the temperature was. And as a kid in eighth grade, 
I wondered if there really was a jet picture window and, and was there a window looking out of the studio that perhaps I could look into the studio. So I rode my bicycle down to the Jet Studios, which was on Ash Street in Erie, right across from where the prison is now. And sure enough, there was a picture window. I leaned my bicycle against the building. I stood up on the seat and peered inside this window. And there was the one and only Johnny Holiday in there playing music, um, dressed in a t-shirt and shorts. And I thought, man, that is the life. Playing the hits on the radio, dressed in shorts and a t-shirt. I got to do that. And so that was my first interest in broadcasting was really the disc jockey music side of things. And as luck would have it, uh, I met a fellow that was the former news director at uh, Jet Radio, but had gone on into the insurance business, but continued to work weekends at Jet Radio. And he was my parents' insurance man. And uh, he invited me to come down to Jet Radio on the weekends and hang out with him. And uh, I was probably in ninth or 10th grade now. And uh, so I spent weekends uh, down there uh, watching the jocks work, watching my friend Jim Renshaw work on the news side of things. And uh, Jim let me hang out. I would write some scripts and he'd look them, look at, look them over. Uh, I'd go into the production room and I'd, I'd track some news and he'd give me some, some tips. And, and here I was a ninth or 10th grader, just uh, reveling in this, uh, this world of radio. And uh, long story short, when I was uh, a senior at Academy High School, I um, actually applied at, uh, at a radio station uh, for some work and they hired me of all things. So I began my career at WWIN Radio in February of 1973. I was hired by Art Arkalian, who was a, a legend in the Erie radio business. And I, I thought I'd stay in radio my whole career. I went from WWIN. I did some work for WQLN-FM when they went on the air. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I ended up at WRIE after I graduated from college. And I was a, a radio news guy for them for uh, four years after graduating from Edinburgh University. And that was uh, until 1980 when uh, Jet TV came calling. Uh, they had uh, noticed uh, my work on the radio as a reporter. And uh, when there was an opening in 1980, they asked me to uh, apply for it. And the rest is history. Been at uh, Jet TV uh, for 40 one years now. Wow. Yeah. That is quite the story. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's, it's been a great ride. Uh, you know, at Jet TV, I've done a little bit of everything. I started as a reporter, and uh, that's what I always and probably will always love the most is being uh, on the street where the action is, where the stories are. But then I went on to become the four, first uh, morning uh, show anchor, uh, live anchor in the morning. And a uh, year after that, then I, I began my 10 year stint as the weekend anchor at jet 24. And that uh, continued into the nineties. And then I went back to reporting, decided I didn't want to uh, anchor full time. So I went back to reporting full time until uh, 2004 uh, when uh, they asked me to uh, be news director. And uh, 
I did that for the last 17 years of my uh, full-time television career. Mm-hmm. Hey, you were my boss, and you were a pretty great boss. I will say that. So, well, you know, and you know the the whole evolution of what's happening in uh, communications and in, in uh, digital uh, television and uh, things happening on the internet uh, caused us to launch a digital department a number of years ago. And you've been a, a big player in that, Nick. I I was happy to uh, hire you to be one of our, our digital producers, and you do a great job, and we we appreciate what you do. It was a great opportunity for you, and you're uh, uh, an important and respected member of our team at the TV station you, and uh, at youreerie.com. So everybody on the BuddyCast uh, that watches this, if you ever uh, – Check out youreerie.com, especially late in the afternoon uh, during the week or weekends. Uh, that's content that you can thank uh, Nick for. Thank you, sir. That's mighty appreciative. And I want to publicly thank you here right now because you actually gave me this career. You, I was bouncing from job to job after graduation. I had a two-year, uh, two-month uh sales stint with a local team here. And then I worked for a golf course for a little bit. Then I went to Erie Insurance as a temp. And then I went back to help out a friend who was promising me payments and just couldn't hold up his end of the bargain. And I literally was going through a job search in between that and you. And I remember something. I remember meeting you after or we met kind of briefly after the Mr. Rogers movie, It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood with Tom mm -hmm. Hanks. We yeah. met briefly. I remember that encounter and I reached out to you immediately just thinking, it can't hurt to try. Get back into your major, see what happens. Worst you can do is say no, but I'll keep you on record or something like that. Mm -hmm. And you got back to me instantly saying, actually, yes, we do have some positions open. Please send me your stuff immediately. I sent you that on a Thursday, got a call that Thursday saying, can we set up an interview for Friday? Interviewed on Friday and on Monday, got the call. So How about I, that, huh? I wanted to publicly thank you for that. That was... Well, that's that's quite all right. I mean, it, you know, success happens when there's opportunity and timing. And mm -hmm. it just so happened there was an opportunity available for you. And the timing was such that we bumped into uh, each other at the movie theater and... Uh, and it's it's always good to uh, have a conversation with somebody. Uh, you know, you hear the phrase networking, and and that's in, in essence which you were doing that day, and I was doing, and uh, it was great that things worked out for both of us, really. Exactly, and it reminds me of one of my favorite life lessons, which is always be kind to anyone you meet, no matter what, even if it's in a movie theater, because you never know where it's going to land you. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I live and die by that is uh, I think everyone should be kind, whether, you know, they're the boss or whether they're an employee, uh, no matter what you do in the game of life, it's important to be kind. Mm -hmm. Now we're talking about my first start at Jet. What about your first year? Jet? Do you remember your first day on the job? Do you remember your first? You know, that was a long time ago. I can't say I really, I, I really remember my first day. Um, but I can remember getting my feet wet, uh, you know, transitioning from radio to television was a little bit of a process because now instead of just telling stories with words and sounds, I'm, 
I'm able to use video. And uh, so it, it took a while to get used to that. And uh, of course, they didn't know what I could do. So I got, I got assigned some pretty uh, bizarre stories to begin with. I can remember one of my very first stories was my news director uh, said, uh, you know, this was about fall. I started in September. So sometime late September, uh, we started to see all the woolly bears out in the parking lot and wherever you, you would see those little critters. And he'd said, I think you need to go out and interview a woolly bear about what kind of winter we're going to have. So that was my, one of my first interviews was, um, basically me talking to myself, but, (laughs) um, back then we did some uh, pretty screwy things, but, uh, nevertheless, uh, that was one thing I, I remember. And, uh, there've been just so many stories since then. Which brings me to my next question. Which story in your entire career or stories stood out to you the most? Like what are the most, like you mentioned the woolly bear, what other bizarre stories have you covered that you'll always well, remember? I mean, the woolly bear was just one of those things, uh, you know, in the first uh, couple of weeks of my career, I, I remember doing. But, you know, as time went on and, and we got more substantive stories, um, you know, my career has allowed me to do many things that uh, I've enjoyed, uh, were exciting, that I, uh, if I had been a plumber, an electrician, if I had gone to work at GE, uh, like a lot of my high school buddies, I probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to be invited to the White House. Uh, mm. President Reagan invited me along with a lot of other local reporters to the White House back in the 80s when he was president. Uh, had lunch in the state dining room with uh, not only the president, but members of his administration. Uh, so, you know, that was an honor and and exciting for a kid from Erie to be able to do uh, something like that. Uh, when Tom Ridge was elected to Congress, to be able to follow him down to Washington and report on his new wife, uh, life and role as a congressman uh, from Capitol Hill was uh, pretty exciting. Uh, back, uh, actually, it'll be, uh, oh boy, maybe 30 years ago tomorrow, I uh, covered the 50th anniversary of Pearl Harbor. Mm. Um, and I know tomorrow was Pearl Harbor Day, December 7th. Yep. Uh, I forget the year I was there. I want to say it must have been about 90, 94. Um, and I'll always remember this as it was a big assignment. I got to go to Hawaii and, and follow some uh, local veterans who were Pearl Harbor survivors. As a matter of fact, one of the survivors that we followed there was Tom DeVecchio's father-in-law, who had been on the Arizona and survived the bombing and lived to tell about it. And he and uh, a couple of other veterans from Erie who survived it were going back for the 50th anniversary. So we were able to follow them to Honolulu and to be there when uh, the ceremonies took place. And I'll never forget the date because December 7th just happened to be my daughter's birthday. It was her 13th birthday that uh, dad wasn't home because I was on assignment in in Hawaii. But of course, that's uh, pretty historic and, yep. and pretty exciting. Um, there was the you know, 1985 Albion tornadoes uh, that swept through the area, tragically, you know, taking lives and leaving a lot of destruction behind. 
Um, there was uh, 9-11 and, and the local effects of what happened on that date. Uh, shortly after that, there was the infamous Erie pizza bomber case, uh, which I, I covered that. as a reporter. Uh, that was really about one of the last big stories that I covered before I, I came off the street as a uh, reporter and became news director. Mm. Uh, and then, of course, uh, probably the biggest story of our lifetime is uh, what's happening right now, and that is the pandemic. Yep. Uh, I don't think there's a, a bigger story um, and in, in our lifetime. Uh, the no. number of lives that have been claimed uh, uh, by this ongoing uh, disease has just been unbelievable. It truly has been. It truly, and I remember it was literally right after I started. I think I had like a month where everything was just like the most major news we covered was like a car accident here or there, or like someone getting like a, an honor or something like that in the city. Then all of a sudden it's like, there was talk about like, there's something coming in from another country, a disease or something. And then just like a snap of your fingers, it was, here it is. Okay. Now it's go time. Like now it's, here's what we're covering. Um, we're going to be reporting the daily numbers. Um, we're going to be businesses are shutting down left and right. It was literally just like someone snapped their fingers and yep. here we are. And that was, and that was right after you got started, right? Yep. A few months. Yep. I think I had, I think it, it really started to take off in like March and April. I was hired in right. February. Right. So I just had that one month of like, just yeah. hey, ease into everything. And then, okay, here's your new 10 assignments for the day. Don't forget to report the numbers. Don't forget to do this. You were tested by fire, my friend. Exactly. Run into the lake and say, swim. <laughs> so, but one thing I wanted to point out to you, you mentioned the December 7th fact, not only that it's Pearl Harbor Day, but it's your daughter's birthday. You're also talking to a December 7th birthday. Oh, really? Your your birthday is the same day? My birthday tomorrow, yep. Oh, man. Happy birthday. Thank you. That's great. I didn't, I didn't know that. That's, yep. uh, that's very cool. Yep, I, that's I'll, I'll never forget that now because yep. uh, every year on Pearl Harbor, I know that it's my daughter's birthday, and uh, and uh, so Nick Sorensen's too. Yep, the big twenty-seven tomorrow. I always wow. I joke around and I always say like my Facebook timeline is just filled with a mix of happy birthdays, and today is what they call the day of infamy. You know. Right. Day, like, that just tragic. It's always, it's always like, it's always, it makes for good comedy, you know? <laughs> right. So, but one story I wanted to ask you about, you mentioned it was your last major story before you became news director was the pizza bomber case, because that's one of the most um, impacting stories here in Erie, Pennsylvania. It's one of the most, do you remember that day? Like what you were doing? Oh, yeah. you were, could you tell us a little bit about it? <clears throat> well, yeah, that day was uh, kind of crazy. Uh, to be honest with you, I was not at the scene that day because that happened later in the afternoon. Uh, I already had a plate full of stories and uh, we weren't exactly what was sure what was going on down there on Peach Street um, at first. So I continued to work on my story and I, I monitored uh, things from the newsroom. But uh, the news director at the time sent our Fox anchor down to the scene. He anchored 10, but he generally did some reporting from uh, the time he got in at 2 or 3 o'clock until 10. So he was available, and that was uh, Brian Sheridan, 
who's now a uh, an instructor at Mercyhurst uh, University. But uh, Brian went down to the scene, and as um, soon as we got there, we realized uh, this was just kind of bizarre. So we started going live that day. Brian was doing a live reports. We broke into programming, and this is uh, while Brian Wells was still alive. He was sitting in the driveway of Eyeglass World with this bomb around his neck, and he was being held at gunpoint by state police. And all the while, he was telling state police that he had a bomb around his neck and it was going to go off. Uh, he kept saying, I'm not lying. Uh, you know, uh, I got to get this thing off my neck. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, state police uh, never approached him after he started saying that. They just uh, continued to hold him at gunpoint. Uh, they did call the bomb squad. And uh, so while while the bomb squad was on its way to Upper Peach Street from the city of Erie, uh, we were broadcasting live the situation going on. And uh, at one point, we started to have a technical issue with our live truck. And we had to end the live shot um, for a moment while we fixed what was happening. And during that time off the air, and thank God we were off the air, uh, the bomb exploded. And that would have been the last thing we want, would have wanted to broadcast on the air live. Uh, yes, it would have yes. just been uh, more tragic than the, the situation already was. Mm. However, once we went back on the air, we could then report uh, what had happened. And it was sometime after the bomb went off that the uh, the bomb squad arrived. Uh, and so that was just a terrible tragedy. Uh, starting the next day, I began to cover that story for the television station, along with some others, because there were just so many angles to that story. We didn't know what was going on. How did it happen? Uh, how was the bank robbery responsible and as you know it went on for years and years and years but that, oh, yeah. that coverage of the story uh, led me to uh, uh, be part of Good Morning America's coverage I know they interviewed me live from the from the scene shortly after the incident happened and then um, a few months after as the investigation continued uh, I was invited to New York City to uh, appear live on the on the John Walsh uh, program, um, and uh, he had a a talk show then, and he did a segment on the pizza bomber, and so I I was happy to be his guest and talk about the coverage and my thoughts about about the case at that point. But uh, yeah, one of the most bizarre crimes in Erie history that I was able to cover for at least a, a year until I. Uh, you know, came off the street and began to manage the news operation, and then others uh, took over from there. Mm -hmm. And I love how in the documentary they still added all those local pieces, like they still have um, people from Jet that were there, like you said. You know, yeah, Brian Brian Sheridan was there, and he was covering it uh, for us. Uh, somebody that's with us now that was with uh, the CBS affiliate back then is Scott Bremner. Yep, and Scott Scott covered that story for uh, uh, his station at the time, and now he's in our newsroom, and uh, he was featured in in one of the many uh, documentaries that have been put together about that case. Uh, I know, mm -hmm. as news director, 
we had requests from all over the world for video of that. Uh, because we were the first at the scene, it was relatively close to the television station. We were there live. And then we had multiple cameras there. Um, we had video that no one else had. And so we had many, many requests for uh, that video through the years. And it's amazing. We still get requests as, as you know, as, time goes uh, on, as long as just recently people have requested that video. So there's mm -hmm. still interest in that case. It's, it's, uh, it's one that I'm sure they study down in, uh, in Quantico at, uh, at the FBI headquarters. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it was one of the most unique bombing situations they've ever encountered. Oh, most definitely. We've even had, um, we've even had Jerry on the show to talk about it too. So you're absolutely right. It's truly one of the, like he said, that is the absolute weirdest day I've ever had at work, but like, it's the one that defines my career right now. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Especially for, yeah, Jerry Clark. Absolutely. Oh, yes. So now let's go on to a lighter subject. You mentioned shortly after that, you became news director of Jet24 Action News. Tell, tell us about your experience. Tell us about what it was like being the news director, What a, how much it meant to you. Well, I think it came uh, at a time in my career where, you know, I had done pretty much everything in the news department. I had filled every role. I was a reporter. I had produced. I had anchored. I shot video. I edited video. Um, you know, and so we had gone through a period where we had like four or five news directors in a period of five or six years. And uh, that just becomes unsettling to the department uh, when, you know, you're not really sure what the new leader is going to expect and what direction they want to take things. So in 2004, we had a, a news director leave that had been with us for four years and he did a very fine job. I liked him a lot, but uh, he moved on to one of our sister stations in another market. And I just thought, you know, the newsroom needed some stability at that time more than anything else somebody that knew the market, knew the region, knew the area. And um, so I threw my hat in the ring, uh, not knowing whether uh, they would have interest in my candidacy or not. But, you know, they interviewed people from all over the country and, and uh, lots of folks that had interest in the job. But in the end, the general manager felt that, you know, my, uh, at the time, 25 years of experience would be valuable. The fact that I knew everybody in the newsroom and I, had a fair amount of respect among my colleagues that it was likely the best, uh, the best decision at the time. And uh, it's been uh, interesting. It's been fun. Um, management is a whole different game than doing it. Uh, I love doing it, uh, being on the street reporting, but now the, the mission was to uh, send others to do it, uh, give them the equipment and wherewithal to uh, make it all happen, make sure we cover the the stories of the day that matter to people in our community, not miss any of the big stories when things were breaking to make sure we had live coverage. And uh, my number one charge as news director was um, to keep us uh, Erie's most watched television newscast. Mm -hmm. uh, when I got the jet in 1980, we were in third place. And it, it took us five, six, seven years to change that and become Erie's number one television newscast. And when I took over, we were dominant. 
And my charge was to keep us dominant. And I'm happy to say 17 years later, we not only remain number one, but largely so. And uh, so on that note, uh, I felt that, you know, my 17 years uh, in the hot seat uh, was successful. Uh, you know, another great thing about being news director is you get to hire uh, young, new talent, fresh out of school, who have great ideas, lots of energy and enthusiasm, and you help, you have the opportunity to shape them and mold them and help launch their broadcast career or their digital careers. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's always exciting to play a role in somebody's success. You know, uh, one of my greatest joys was when people spent a couple of years in our newsroom and they moved on. They were able to move on to major markets. People left Erie and Jet TV, and they went to major markets. Uh, some even left and went directly to the network. And you know that's always exciting when when you're able to help somebody who didn't have any skills in this business uh, put themselves in a position and to gain the experience and the knowledge and the know-how to to then be in in the big leagues. You know, and I think any coach, and that's what I saw myself as in, in many cases as a coach, uh, any coach would be proud of that. And so, you know, that's where my joy was. It wasn't about budgets and trying to, you know, manage overtime and, and all of the things that it, that it takes to be a news director. It was always about the people in the newsroom, the stories of the day, our viewers, and keeping them uh, adequately informed. Um, you know, we don't we don't uh, have a staff that can cover every single story every single day. And uh, but at the end of the day, I knew that all the stories that mattered, we covered all the big breaking news. We were there and we told you about and that at the end of the day, as long as we had good, clean newscasts, then um, we could put our head on the pillow and say uh, that was a good day, and tomorrow's going to be a better one, and we get to do it all over again tomorrow. Exactly. I tell myself that every single um, every single election night. Well, tomorrow's a new day. You know. That's right. Yep. Yeah, that's the thing about our business is that it's not like you start a project today and then you pick up with it tomorrow. Every day, our deadline is at five o'clock. Okay. Everything we do has got to be done by five o'clock and we we air it. And then when we come in tomorrow, we start all over with a blank slate. We yep. create ideas. We come up with story opportunities. We delegate uh, people to go do the, the things that are on our list of stories to cover and stories that break during the day. We make sure they get covered. And then we present them to our audience every night at 5, 5, 36, 10, and 11. So, and, mm -hmm. uh, and in the morning. Mm -hmm. And each day we, we start from scratch. Mm -hmm. Hey, you know what they say. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. That's right. I, absolutely. And in retirement, it's always 5 o'clock, which leads me to my next question, which is what, now that you've, you've completed this, part, this phase of your career, you're on to retirement or you're slowly moving into retirement. What are some of your plans? What are some things that you're hoping to do? You know, things that maybe you couldn't do while working. 
Yeah, I think, you know, just having the freedom to decide day to day what you want to do today. Uh, I don't have any uh, great specific plans for the immediate term. Um, right now, we're just A, not answering to an alarm clock. That's the best part <laughs> is uh, getting up when I'm done sleeping, whatever time that happens to be. Um, but uh, each day, just deciding, uh, my wife and I, what, what do we want to do today? Uh, being the holidays, you know, we're, we're pretty wrapped up in that. Um, and I've got, you know, we have five children and, and 11 grandchildren. And uh, so getting ready for ho holidays is a, is a big task. So uh, we're looking forward to that. You know, after the first of the year, we're going to start making some plans to travel. Uh, I continue to travel on behalf of the television station and, and holiday vacations. And so we're looking forward to taking a group to Hawaii in um, late March, early April. But uh, we're also, Connie and I, my wife and I are looking to do some road trips and just having, you know, the time to do that in and around, you know, my continued uh, small obligations at the television station. Uh, which uh, I enjoy to do, but those are very manageable within the realm of retirement. So, but, uh, you know, it, it gives me more time to uh, jump on my Vespa and go out for a ride when I want to, when the weather's nice or in the summertime, my wife and I have a jet ski. We enjoy going out either on Presque Isle Bay or we'll take it down to Conneaut Lake and, and go down there. Um, but those are, you know, those are the simple things that we look forward to. Uh, we're likely going to do a road trip uh, to California. We've got kids in California, and uh, it's always been uh, a desire of mine to uh, drive there at least once. Um, so I think we'll do a cross-country trip, uh, maybe in 22. We'll see how this pandemic thing goes. Nice. And what I mentioned before, what I appreciate about you is the fact that you just didn't just go, okay, I'm retiring. See you all later. Best of luck. You stayed for it for a while. You're still in the industry today still, you know, with the segments that you mentioned earlier for the community, such as Loving Giving Local and Golden Apple. Can you explain to our audience the importance of those segments? Well, you know, Golden Apple, I got to believe, is the longest running television franchise in Erie TV history. We are on the 31st year of honoring teachers with the Golden Apple Award. And if you're a school teacher, and, and more and more often I go into a classroom where I, I uh, am presenting the golden apple uh, to a teacher who's been in the classroom for a little while, and, and they say, oh my gosh, I always dreamed of winning the golden apple award. It's unbelievable how many teachers uh, appreciate this uh, honor and recognition. And it really is a recognition of uh, some of the least recognized and sometimes least appreciated people uh, that that really have so much influence in our young people. And uh, so for 31 years, Jet TV and Edinburgh University has gone into the classroom uh, almost 32 weeks out of every school year and honored a school teacher. They're nominated by uh, students, uh, sometimes parents if the students are, are youngsters, but uh, every week, uh, we acknowledge what a great job and what a difference teachers are making. And uh, so I'm happy to be part of that program. I've been uh, part of it for the last 10 years or so. Um, and we'll continue to do that. 
uh, for many, many years on, on JET. We have a great partnership with Edinburgh University. And Loving Giving Local is just a, a, a great program. I mean, it's, it's fun that uh, we, along with Joe Askins from uh, the Auto Express Resale Center, uh, he, he partners up with us and he makes a selection of a nonprofit or a charity uh, every week. And we go out and we surprise them with a $250 donation. And then I get to uh, tell a little bit about that organization, uh, tell a little bit about their story, their background, what they mean to the community, and, uh, and hopefully maybe uh, tell our viewers some things that would be helpful to that organization moving forward. A uh, $250 uh, check is nice, but many organizations uh, need our viewer support uh, all year long. So, you know, those are two of the programs that I'm I'm working on. I'm also, you know, continuing to assist Sean uh, Lafferty as he transitions into the news director role. Uh, those uh, those are big challenges because he also continues to anchor uh, the yes. early shows on on Jet. So he has a full plate. So I'm I'm uh, available to assist him as as needed. Uh, so uh, you know, those are the the two major things that I'm doing, I continue to do some uh, health reporting and uh, I've been doing health reports on JET for more than 30 years now. And uh, I continue to do uh, those weekly health reports as well. Love it. Absolutely love it. And like I said, I love that you've, you're helping out the new boss too. You're helping out the new manager. You're helping him transition. You're not just hanging over the keys and going, have fun. Good luck. That's right. That's yeah. right. You know, and, and, you know, my role was to was to really ensure a smooth transition. Our general manager and vice president has only been at the station for about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. uh, she's new to the market. And uh, so I was uh, instrumental in helping her, you know, weigh the various candidates that came in. Ultimately, it was her choice. And I certainly endorse Sean as my my successor. Uh, that was a very good uh, decision and good for uh, not only our news team, but also our market and our viewers. Um, yes. That's, that's a great decision. Um, but I thought it was important to be here to, again, just like 17 years ago, provide stability to our newsroom and to our television station. And, uh, you know, after all my time in the business, you know, I know where all the keys are. I know where all the bodies are buried, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> oh. Now, so you mentioned that's a, you mentioned a little bit of hope there for the industry. What are ultimately your hopes going forward for the news industry, for Jet24 Action News? What are, what are some things you hope to see as you step aside and let someone else take the reins? Well, I think it, it's important that, first of all, Jet continues its dominant in the marketplace, dominance. Um, and I, I think that happens because people trust us, because we continue to serve them in the way they desire to be served with uh, being able to uh, tune in and learn what I need to know today to either get ready for the day if they're watching the morning show uh, or uh, what happened today while I was at work? I want to. I want to know what happened today, and so uh, that's what our early and late evening newscasts uh, are all about. So we feel like we need to continue to equip our viewers. 
Uh, now that we're um, growing uh, in our digital platform, thanks to you and the work of our digital team, um, my my hope and and goal for the television station would become as dominant on yourerie.com as we are on uh, Jet 24 and, and Fox 66. Um, you know, I'm proud of the fact that we're number one in every newscast every day on Jet 24, and that Jet and then Fox are the first and second uh, newscast at, at uh, in the late evening. But I want to see yourerie.com become as dominant as well. So for the future, uh, that's one of my hopes. And also, I, I would just hope that, uh, you know, viewers in our region and across the country and around the world just continue to rely on the traditional uh, trained professional journalists that are in this industry and don't get sucked into the social media online vortex of, of hearsay and opinions and, uh, you know, shoddy reporting that, you know, doesn't follow the standards uh, mm -hmm. of, of professional journalism. But mm -hmm. that's, you know, so easy to get uh, into that rut and fall into that hole. Uh, mm -hmm. But I, I trust that America uh, is smart enough to uh, get their information from good sources. Absolutely. Now, buddy, it's time for the questions that I ask all my buddies that come on the show. Like I said, you're not a guest. You're a buddy on this show. All right. The first one is brought to us by our buddy Jonas Kane from Hashtag Positivity, which is, in your own words, what does it mean to be someone's buddy? Um, what's it mean to be a buddy? I, I think being a buddy is just being there for, for someone or people in general. I think, again, we go back to the, the subject of kindness. I think uh, being kind uh, is to other people or specifically to one person uh, makes you a buddy. I think uh, listening to other people is important. God gave us two ears and one mouth. We should listen twice as much as we talk and, uh, and, and just do what you can for other people. Um, you know, sometimes folks get so wrapped up in themselves and I think it's uh, all about uh, helping, helping others. Uh, I think would make a, somebody a good buddy. Mm -hmm. Love that answer. And now part of being a buddy is being a charitable buddy. So December is a really good time for being charitable, being more giving. How, in your opinion, can we be more charitable this season? Well, again, I, I think it's just um, giving more of yourself. Um, I think you need to give your time, your talent, and your treasures to other people, other organizations uh, that could use it. Uh, I, I don't think uh, giving always means uh, money out of your pocket, although it, it may. If you've been blessed with great wealth or great treasures or more than you need, and it doesn't even have to be a lot, then you're in a position to be able to help others financially. Uh, but if you can't help people financially, you know, everyone's got 24 hours in a day, 268 hours in a week. And um, it's, it's a matter of uh, how much time can you give to an organization that could use your time, okay? Uh, even if you don't know how to do anything, they can still use your time because they can teach you how you can help. But then you might have great talents that would be especially beneficial to some organizations. And uh, your expertise is what they're looking for. So 
I'm thinking that um, you, know, you could uh, uh, give of your talents. And I, I think that's what this season is all about, whether it's uh, things to be thankful for or the, the spirit of giving that, that Christmas uh, brings about in all of us. Uh, I think uh, we need uh, to be able to uh, share those things that uh, I've talked about. Mm-hmm. And just to throw in a quick plug in here, um, Nickmas is always a time of giving for me. Um, I have two charities actually that I want to promote real quick. The first will be the Facebook fundraiser that I always send up, which is going towards Happy Bark, who helped me find uh, my little partner right here who's sitting right next to me, passed out on the couch. <laughs> and um, the second one is going towards, um, this is the announcement for it. It's going towards a children's hospital in Delaware called Numerous, which actually has helped me throughout my entire life. Um, you know wow. me, I was diagnosed with my former dwarfism and they were, they're the experts. They are the ones that we rush to if anything's wrong, if anything is there, they're there in a heartbeat. They're there, they'll make an appointment, they'll get us in, they'll check us out and they'll say, yeah, he's fine. You know, just, just worry about this if this happens, you know. So numerous children's hospital and I've been on the fortunate side where I've just gone in for annual appointments, but in my time being there, you know, I remember being a kid and seeing another kid on the playground there who has to spend the next three nights there, at least week there because he's going in for some transplant tomorrow or some, he's got some condition that he needs to just, this is his, this is his fun time before he has to go through surgery, you know, and, it really, when you reflect all those years later, you know, when you're almost 27, it makes you really feel like, hey, this is, they, you know, this is, you were fortunate. It's time to give to someone who needs it more, you know, just like you said, it's time, whether it's time or whether it's, you know, taking out some money out of your pocket and saying, here you go. Right. Absolutely. So numerous children's hospital is definitely my choice, but now buddy, it's time for what we call the ultimate buddy cast buddy question. Are you ready for this? Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Shoot. As it says, are you standing on the edge of your seat? So, <laughs> but the question is, what is your advice to anybody who wants to go into the news industry today? Oh, well, I would say, first of all, uh, find a mentor, somebody that's in the business that can steer you in the right direction. Uh, like I did when I was getting in into the radio uh, uh, industry, I had a mentor or two. And so I would say, uh, find somebody that does what you'd like to do and see if they're willing to mentor you. And, and what I mean by that is if you're a young person, that they, they just steer you in the right direction. What kind of training do you need? Uh, if you go to college, uh, do I need to go to college? Uh, if so, what do I need to take? Uh, what skills do I need to acquire to be able to do this? And then what you need to do is is obtain all of those skills. If you need to go to school, go to school. Uh, if you need to learn some skills, get with somebody that can teach you those skills. You don't always have to go to college to do things, you know, in our industry, uh, but you need to know uh, some skills. And so you might need to go to a, a tech school. Uh, or something like that to uh, learn what you need to do. And then you need to just, uh, you know, put on the attitude that you're going to work hard. You're going to work long and you're going to work hard and you're going to pay a price. Uh, You're going to start at the bottom of the ladder. You're going to work your way up 
You're going to work uh, long hours, probably some lousy hours. Uh, you're going to probably work holidays and weekends, uh, depending on what industry you get into. But if it's our industry, you know, we're 24-7, 365. Nobody wants to, you know, turn the television on and, and see black because, oh, it's the holiday and everyone at the TV station has the day off. No, that, that doesn't cut it. Uh, we're in, a, in an industry that is here to serve our community. So uh, you got to plan on that, figure on that, and uh, take every opportunity you can. I, I say it's better to, to go into a television station and sweep the studio floor than maybe to wait tables, because at least you're in the television station. Now they know who you are, and you can work your way up. Many of the people that I've hired in the newsroom have started in other jobs within the building, but because they were there, because they expressed an interest, because they've been loyal, uh, we've given them opportunities uh, in the newsroom. And, uh, you know, it, it's just so exciting. And I'll, I'll sh share the story with you, is that we've been changing our editing system this uh, past uh, couple of weeks at the, at the TV station. And we have some trainers that came in from out of town to teach us this new training system. Well, one of the trainers... I hired to work in our newsroom back in 2008. She was a studio camera operator who wanted to become a news photographer. So I hired as a news photographer. We trained her. We had her working for us for a couple of years. And then she left and she ended up in New Orleans. And, and once she got down there, she eventually became the chief photographer at the NBC affiliate in New Orleans. And she did that until about two years ago when she went to work for this company that uh, provides editing systems for television stations around the country. And now she trains other people all, all over the place. And when I saw Megan this week, I thought, holy smokes, here you are. What a, what a phenomenal rise uh, in, in her career. And it all began at, uh, at Jet TV many, many years ago. So that's always exciting to me when you when you can see how people succeed from the launch pad that is Jet24, Fox 66, and you are eerie.com. Mm -hmm. You trained her, now she's training you, you know? A absolutely. It's come full circle. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And I wanted to bounce off your advice a little bit and say another public thank you. Because of you giving me the opportunity to be at Jet, BuddyCast wouldn't have been possible. If you hadn't given me that opportunity, because you lit the, you sent the spark that lit what is today, because you gave me an opportunity back when the pandemic was starting, as we mentioned, you know, I was seeing the, I was seeing the behind the scenes, you know, we post the statistics for the day and people like to tell us unbuddy like words, you know, online, all that stuff. And I thought, you know, this world just needs a positive story, some how can we not just like feel good? Oh, uh, Timmy got saved from the well today or something like that, but something along the lines of like what we can do in our daily lives to bring more positivity in. And then I remembered the whole story of Patch Adams and how I still wrote to him. I came to you with the idea. Hey, I've got this crazy idea, Lou. Can I, if I can get an interview with Patch Adams, the, you know, the clown doctor who was portrayed by Robin Williams. Yeah. Would you be interested? You had the exact same look on your face. Like, yeah, yeah. We got the interview. That, 
that interview, I left that interview that day and thought, I would like to do this more often. And it kind of like, it started as that little spark, you know, like I uh-huh. could see myself doing something like this later on. And that spark eventually led to a couple of sleepless nights to where I finally called up my girlfriend and said, look, I got this idea. I need your approval to make sure, A, I'm not going insane and B, I'm not going to lose my relationship over this. What are your thoughts? I explained it to her and she said, I absolutely love it. And here we are today, over 180 episodes later, you know, with phenomenal guests, including yourself, just everything. So thank you. You've had some incredible guests. I'm I'm highly impressed with your your skill at um, booking interviews and and having some great guests. And I think this is a, a great labor of love for you. And it uh, I'm sure is entertaining and helpful to other people. Oh, and yes. you never know who's going to watch, and you never know where something like this may go in the future. So exactly. um, it's it's great and. Uh, I saw a comment uh, pop up a little bit earlier. I want to say hi back to Lisa. You know, there she is right there. Yep. <laughs> I had a yep. chance to meet her a few weeks ago, and it was my pleasure. Yep. She's a big supporter of this show, let me tell you. All right. So, well, thank you, buddy, for being a buddy here on BuddyCast and for all that you do. It was a true pleasure. I'm glad we finally got you on the show. Stick around for a minute. If you have a minute afterwards, we'll chat. Okay. But in the meantime, I have one favor to ask you before we wrap up the show. I'm not singing. We're not asking that. We're asking you today to go be someone's buddy. All right. I can do that. Sounds good. For all my buddies out there, this is my buddy, Lou Baxter from Jet24 Action News. We'll see you all next time. Here on everybody's favorite show, BuddyCast. All right. Thank you. Well, the world has still gone nutty, buddy, buddy. Even downright cruddy, buddy, buddy. Wish I missed the past, buddy, buddy. But there's still BuddyCast. No, don't be naughty, go meet everybody. Here on BuddyCast. Hey buddies, you thinking of starting your own podcast? Why not use Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast, and here's why. First off, it's free. Secondly, you have creation tools to record and edit right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor distributes for you. You can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Fourth, make money with no minimum listenership. And finally, you have everything you need for a podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started.